0: Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. that's right, the Shelter footy cast is here, nay, sportscast, yes, welcome, that is the boys from Shelter, the boys from Thornley, I am joined today, I'm Will Schofield, joined today by Australian cricketing legend, Bradley Hogg again, g'day Hoggy, how are you mate?
1: G'day Will, yes, it's good to join you again, plenty of sport over the weekend, plenty of cricket and so much action in the T20 World Cup, You've, there's been so much drama through the whole series. West Indies getting kicked out, then games going to the last ball, no balls that should be called, no balls that aren't called, people walking off yesterday, uh, Zimbabwe, Bangladesh shaking hands, and then they have to go out and rebowl the last ball because the keeper does something stupid, has his hands (laughs) past the stumps, as he tries to take the stumping. It's just amazing uh, how much controversy we can have in the game of cricket just in a small section of the game in that last over.
0: Well, we're going to get into all of that on the Shelter Sportscast today. We do this every Monday and Thursday. Hoggy's going to be joining us pretty regularly over the cricket season, so I'm excited about that. You can follow us on socials, Shelter Footycast. It'll be the Shelter Footycast, but we're still talking sport over here on the on the Footycast. Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au if you want to send us a question. Hoggy and I will do our best to answer those. Shelter Brewing, born and brewed in Bustleton. Now, talking about Bustleton, talking about shelter there is a concert down there on friday the 2nd of december dan and i've got our tickets i think hoggy's coming look i may or may not be able to confirm that but shelter are playing in their national tour down at Bustleton. dj genga will be down there you can get your tickets at shelterbrewing.com.au hoggy are you coming or not that's the big question i want to ask off the top mate
1: well i'm commentating i think it's the west indies versus australia in a test match here at uh, optus stadium but the way that West Indies are playing. That could be over in a couple of days, so I might have time to get down there. So (laughs) come on, the West Indies.
0: (laughs) Very good. We're going to get right around the Aussies there and get Hoggy down for an early one down at Shelter to come watch the boys at... The Southern River Band. Now, let's get into it. Now, off the top of the show, I just want to talk about a couple of things before we get into the cricket. Um, The AFLW season finishes, I commentated that game. Uh, The Frio game, a couple of legends retired. Cara Antonio, one of those. Kiara Bowers, the most tackles in a game by anybody in the history of the game. I wanted to ask you, Hoggy, have you been to any of the women's games?
1: No, I haven't had time because they played over the cricket season and uh, being a board member yes. down at the Wacker, I have got so much on. But, yes, it's great to have so many tackles uh, or the most tackles in the game, but we need someone up forward to be able to kick some goals because there's a couple of games there where we didn't even get any majors on the board. So that's a big issue for the girls moving forward. Um but things are turning around. It's just great. I, I'm really enjoying that women's sports really kicking off all around the globe in different sports. Um, they're, they're a vital aspect of our game. And I just love the way that the, uh, the scene has changed and it's giving them more opportunity.
0: Um, so we might have covered this last podcast you are on with us, Hoggy, but is that a confirmation that you're a big Fremantle man? I mean, you're I talking about f- we and us.
1: <laughs> yes, I am a big Fremantle man. Uh, look, go I'll go back. I don't know whether I made this point last week, but the Eagles in their inaugural year, I was at Aquinas College boarding. They were training there. They just walked past us. They gave us donuts, nothing, wouldn't even say g'day. And uh, I met Dermot Burton in the shopping centre that same, uh, same summer. In town here in Perth, he spoke to me for 10 minutes. So I stayed with Hawthorne until Fremantle came into the uh, came into the act. But the funny thing is, there are so many Fremantle players that, uh, or from South Fremantle, that were playing for the Eagles at the time. I played cricket with uh, um, uh, Worsfold as well as Peter Sumich. Uh, love those guys. Love the South Fremantle boys. But uh, it was just that initial year where just that little handshake or get a mate could have made the difference so uh that's why I'm with Fremantle
0: well I mean it's an interesting point I mean I know that it it might not be bigger than just that moment but you as a professional sportsman going forward then does that moment stick with you and then when you see kids and 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 you know supporters around you try to give them more time because of the experience you had as, as a kid
1: yeah, definitely. Um, but do I uphold it all the time? No, I reckon there would have been times there where I was in a rush in a shopping centre or would have been having a bit of pressure with the family uh, side of things where we had to get things done where I might have just walked past a, a, a young kid and uh, not acknowledged him as, as though I should have. Um, but that, that, that's in a, a private scenario where I'm in a rush. This happened regularly every week. Uh, so there are no excuses as such. So that, that, that's that's uh, probably where I'm going at that particular stage. So it's it's very, it's very you've got to be very careful when you're playing a sport because you're an ambassador for the sport. Yes, you don't think you are as you're growing up. You don't expect it to happen. But at the end of the day, if it's not for the fans, your sport won't survive. Um, so you've got to make sure that the future generations uh, get that little kick, get that little buzz so that they want to go in and give 100% and pass on to the next generation coming forward, moving down the track.
0: That's a very, <clears throat> excuse me, a very good point there, Hoggy, as we bounce around a few sports. The Perth Glory, um, now I don't know if you're a big soccer fan. I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but I do follow it. They've cut Bruno Fornaroli. Now he's um, arguably their best player, um, a, a bit of background to this one, Hoggy, for you. Um, he's been, They're into their fourth game of the year. It's the start of a new season. They've got a new coach. Um, basically, they, they wanted to start him on the bench. He didn't want to get started on the bench. Uh, he said he was injured. They dropped him because he was injured. He then said on Instagram that he wasn't injured. Uh, all that ended up happening is they cut him. They get rid of their best player and they say, if you don't want to buy into the culture we're providing here at the Perth Glory, see you later. What do you think about that with that background? And have you ever experienced things like that where guys think they're bigger than the team in in cricketing land?
1: Look, I I think there's no one bigger than the team. If you are in there and you think you're you're the bee's knees and everything's got to be around you, well, get rid of them. Uh, Simple as that. You've got to buy into the culture. You've got to buy in to uh, where the club wants to go moving forward. If you don't want to be part of that, move on. And I've been part of teams where you have absolute legends in the uh, in, in your uh, dressing room, but they don't perform because they're all trying to outdo each other with the egos. The best dressing rooms I've been in are the ones that don't have the big stars. We're just even across the board. We're there for a cause. We go out there. We know each other's job. We just go and do it, and we give 100%. And uh, if you look at the Perth Scorchers, that's why we've had so much success because everyone had their role. No one thought they were better than anyone else, and uh, we we always came up against other teams that had big names, and they spent most of their money on those big names and forgot about the rest of the uh, rest of the club, thinking that they, those uh, big names will get them over the line. It doesn't happen. You've got to be even across the board. Everyone's got to buy into the culture. So for me, Perth Glory doing the right thing. Get rid of him. Yeah, move him on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think some of the fans were disappointed, but a lot of people that have been in team organisations, been been at the elite level, uh, have the same opinion as you and me because I'm the same. Um, If you've got someone not buying into the club culture and you've got a you know an opportunity to get rid of them, we'll do it because um, the quickest thing that will bring a team down is people like that that want to put themselves above the team. And um, the best teams aren't they don't win because of the best players. They win because of the best teams and how you can work together and how you can be connected and how you can respect each other. All of that stuff is more important than, than the talent. Sometimes the talent, um, most people have it. Most people are talented. It's about buying into that team culture. So I was happy to see the Perth Glory flick them. Um, another sport, another thing I want to ask you about before we get into the cricket hoggy, uh, netball, netball Australia. I don't know if you've been following along with this. Gina Reinhart and Hancock Prospecting pull their $15 million deal over three years um, off the back of, um, I wouldn't call it player revolt, but certainly um, players... Um, making a stance on some issues that have happened in the past with that company well I'm here to tell you breaking news Uh, Visit Victoria have replaced Gina Reinhart's 15 million dollars it's over four years but Netball Australia will go on as a sport um, given well it looks like the Victorian government's come, come to the party where do you sit on this Hoggy?
1: Uh, look, this is a government organisation that's getting uh, Netball Australia out of the newer as such. Um, for me, mm-hmm. it's good in one aspect, but it's frustrating in the other because it's taxpayers' money. So all of a sudden taxpayers' money are going into a sport which could have got sponsored by a private sponsor uh, that wanted to put back into, uh, into the community. So for me, it's going to affect the taxpayers' uh, bill down the track. The other thing is too, if, if you look at it, sponsorships. We got sponsored uh, personally by um, brands like Asics, uh, for us, Grand Nichols. A lot of players go on back to truck up, get as much as they possibly can, and uh, all of a sudden they don't think about the the roll-down effect to the customer. So all of a sudden, if all sports stars go and get 20 pairs of shoes every year and they only need five – all of a sudden, that customer who goes to the shop instead of paying one hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of shoes, he's got to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of shoes because of the simple waste and greed um, of, of sports people. So, again, I think yes, uh, we we get a few benefits out the top of the order, but we've also got to think about the roll-on effect to the customer and to the community down the track. So, yes, it's good in one way that they're getting sponsored, but again, it's coming from the uh, from the taxpayer, and I don't really like that.
0: I played with a few blokes who used to wear a set of boots every game, new pair of boots every game. You strike me, Hoggy, as a real defender-type operator, wearing the same <laughs> pair of shoes, have never changed a bat. Is that how you used to operate back in the day, Hoggy?
1: I used to operate at, like that in the day. I reckon my uh, while I was playing agro before I played my first game of shield cricket, I had a pair of pads from Kmart. Um, so uh, that that's how low I went. Um, (laughs) I had I got secondhand bats from uh, Muellermans and that that just worked perfectly fine. Uh, I I had a bat, Wayne Andrews. Uh, people out there that don't know Wayne Andrews, they uh, used to call him the Axe. He used to try and play a cover driver. He'd always get an inside edge and it would go down a fine leg or three square leg for four. Uh, but he'd always <laughs> bat out six. And he's just a, a, a team man that was a glue of the West Australian culture. Um, so, yeah, I used to get his secondhand bats from Muellermans, and they just do the same job. Um, for me, I don't, I don't need the big brands. I just, I just want to go out there. And uh, I used to hate new stuff when I was playing. I, um I'd have to wear it at least five times before I was comfortable going into a shield gown with the uh, clothing or the equipment that I was using um, anything new I seem to always fail so
0: yes I'm not oh, really a, um, yeah I'm not,
1: I'm not really one of those shiny people uh like uh, <laughs> I, I rocked up to I rocked up to a school the other day um oh this is about two years ago and I've got a little red Toyota 87. And uh, yes. it's in the western suburbs. Drove in there, and the the, the kids were waiting for me. We we're going to have a bit of a talk and a bit of a play out in the uh, out in the uh, school oval. And this kid's gone. Oh, he's got a Ferrari! God, gee, where's cricket's pays really well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Another kid. No nah, mate, it's only a Toyota eighty <laughs> seven. But why? What? Yeah, I'd I'd love to have a Ferrari, but why do I want a Ferrari? Uh, in the city, when you can only drive it at 110 out max, so the little go kart, the little Toyota at 87, uh, I just fly it around little roundabouts and I have a little bit of fun. And when I take it out out on the uh, bush, on those open roads, it flies, it flogs, it's brilliant, and uh, it's just a it's just a good little car. <laughs>
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, it's very good. It's, a, it's there's a euphemism in there somewhere. I don't know what it is, but something to do with the Ferrari and leaving it in garages and out in the open road, something like that. Um, yeah, that's very uh, good, mate. Scoey. Yeah.
1: The other good thing about it too, it's small, it's tight, and trying to get passengers in the back seat, it's virtually impossible. And uh, so the limit of passengers <laughs> in there as well. So there's so much more <laughs> quiet time when I got want to go for a long drive. It's just, it's just perfect. <laughs> Perfect buy. Uh, very good purchase.
0: Oh, I think that's all. my best purchase you're... I've ever had. <laughs> I've actually seen the, the 87 uh, Toyota. It looks very nice. It actually suits you, Hoggy. I will say that. Suits you very well. Uh, you are with hey, Will Schofield. Brad, what Hulk. number place hey. does, it,
1: does it have on it? What number <clears throat> plates were on Dan, it? You... Uh, baggy
0: 387. Did I get that right? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah you two over 367. Yeah, <laughs> My wife got Is that, that for your, me.
0: Sorry. Is that your baggy grand that's... number?
1: That's my baggy green number, and uh, I came back from overseas, and I saw them on my car, and I've just gone, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to realise that I've got a bit of a lead foot, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's still they're, they're still on there. You haven't taken them off.
1: I haven't got. I haven't taken them off. That, I, I don't mind the green on the red. Uh,
0: Oh, it's very good, mate. Looks good. Uh, Will Schofield, Brad Hogg here on the Shelter Sportscast. We're going to get through a bit of a T20 review and preview coming up next. That's right. Brad Hogg, he's a cricket player, so we better get into the cricket side of things. He's a lot more knowledgeable than I am on all things cricket. Friday, a couple of abandoned matches, Hoggy, Afghanistan, Ireland and Australia, England. There was a sellout at the MCG. No one could watch it, though. What's going on with your sport, Hoggy? How can you have a sport that can't play in the rain? Seriously.
1: Look, we're really precious, okay? And we wear whites. Or, well, we used to wear whites. This is where uh, not playing in the rain happened. And you know what happens when you wear whites and you wear coloured underwear? Uh, it shows through. So that's why we had to walk <laughs> off for the rain. Um, <laughs> but looking at those particular games, I think the Australia-England game, uh, wash off. I think both teams will be very happy with that because they weren't really comfortable playing against each other. Both teams are a little bit nervous at this stage. Uh, haven't been playing their best. England before the start of the tournament were just annihilating everyone. But all of a sudden the top order are a little bit more tentative. Uh, they lost against Ireland so they've lost confidence and it was a short turnaround to play Australia. Australia just won that game here against Sri Lanka with the uh 50 off uh, 15 balls, got them over the line. But other than that, every other Australian player uh, was tentative, nervous. So the big stage has really startled a, a, a couple of the teams. And these two teams will be very happy to go away with one point. Australia will be very happy now moving on because they've got to play Ireland and Afghanistan. They should beat them on Australian conditions very easily. England have got to play New Zealand. So... That's going to be a big one for uh, England and the way New Zealand are playing, I think New Zealand can uh, knock them off. And they've also got to play Sri Lanka. Now Sri Lanka are a team that England have uh, only been beaten by twice uh, through the whole T20 history, but they're a team that can upset England uh, while they're playing this tentative cricket. So for me, England, I had them out favourites at the start, but I think they're going to be kicked out of the tournament right now and it'll be Australia and New Zealand going through with that group.
0: Well, that's what's going to happen, isn't it? A lot of people talking about run rate, but effectively, if New Zealand beat England in that matchup, you're talking about in Australia win their matches, then they'll be straight through. You don't have to worry about run rate. So that's what that's what you think is going to happen, Hoggy?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. Um, yeah, and I just think England have gone away from their uh, their, their game plan. They don't know uh, which way they want to go. Their spinner uh, Rashid is out of form. He's not confident. And when your spinner is not confident, the one that's got to get wickets and and keep it tight through those middle overs, uh, you've got big holes. So England, for me, are in a lot of trouble. And I think Hales, he came in, uh, he was quite dominant when he came back into the team. He's been out for four or five years. But now he's starting to get a little bit nervous and he's lost his touch as well. So that powerhouse that they have in the power play has gone with the bat and they've lost the dominance with the spin in the middle overs.
0: On the Saturday, we had New Zealand defeating Sri Lanka by 65 runs in the end. Glenn Phillips, the man with the bat from New Zealand, he took a he made 104 off 64, big big uh, innings there, ten fours, four sixes, and then Trent Bolt was the man with the ball, four for 13. Um, do you see New Zealanders? a real favourite of this competition now?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, they powered away uh, with with Australia in the power play. Finn, Finn dominated one of the best attacks going around in world cricket uh, in that particular game. And then they were in trouble, this uh, particular fixture. Mitchell and Phillips uh, were able to get them back in the contest and, and they just bat deep. Uh, they know how to handle the pressure. But yet, at the end of the day, Sri Lanka just dropped a sitter of a catch with Phillips on 25, I think he was. And it's like... Yep. You've been in front of goal, Scully, and you're 10 metres out right in front. You need to <laughs> pick the big major, and it's off the side of the boot, and you kick it out on the full. That's what it's like dropping an easy catch uh, in crucial situations. So Sri Lanka dropped the, uh, their chances of having a, a World Cup final series here uh, with dropping Phillips when he was on 25. But other than that, uh, for me, I think New Zealand bowl well. Uh, they've got... Quality spinners, as such as they've got Sody, who's a wicket-taker, but they've got Santner, who can control the run rate. But then they've got swing bowlers up front, and they've got a bit of pace in those middle overs, which can rattle some of the middle orders around. And they just bat deep. I think New Zealand, for me, right now, are the favourites. I think they can topple India in a final uh, in this T20 World Cup.
0: Now, there was three games yesterday, Hoggy. You worked two of them um, at Optus Stadium, double header. but before the double header that you worked and couldn't get out of the car park, we'll touch on the car park in just a little bit, Hoggy. <laughs> um, you just hold your breath on that one because I'm very interested to get an update on the Optus Stadium car park. Bangladesh, uh, Bangladesh defeat Zimbabwe by three runs, but as you said, um, with a ball remaining, Uh, Zimbabwe needed uh, five runs, and it looked like it was done and dusted. There was a stumping. It was all over. They shook hands off the field, and they had to come back out. What happened?
1: Well, they had to come back. Well, the the keeper took the ball in front of the stumps to the spinner. Um, So when the ball passes the bat, and you've got to take the stumping, you've got to wait for the ball to pass the stump before you can grab it and go through with the stumping. He took the ball in front of the stumps. He got a little bit excited. And I think this has been happening quite a bit throughout the tournament. It hasn't been picked up because we haven't had a scenario where the wicket has been actually taken. So that happened. The umpires didn't pick it up straight away. They walked off and all of a sudden they're checking for a no ball and um, the third umpire sees that he's actually taken in front of the stumps. So they have to come back out. That's not the only time it's happened. It's happened a few times in uh, short-form cricket, but uh, just amazing scenes. And lucky it was a number 10 batsman who can't hold a bit of willow. Wasn't able to get the free (laughs) hit over the line at the back end. But see, that no ball, it was an advantage for Zimbabwe if they had a batsman that had been out there for a a long period of time because you can't change the field with that free hit. So all of a sudden, he's had a cider. And all of a sudden, he knows how he's going to set up for that free hit, and he's he's got easier options to take the bowling on, and uh, find that find that boundary. But at the end of the day, Bangladesh just got over the line, and they're still fighting for a chance of getting in the final. But the games that they've got, I don't think they're going to get through because they've got to play India, and they've also got to play Pakistan. I think their chance of play, playing uh, beating Pakistan, but there's no way that they'll beat India
0: what do you say to the wicket keeper as a as a former spinner yourself hoggy what what's the what are you saying to the wicket keeper when he goes and takes the bails off by uh jumping in front of the stumps there what do, what do you say to him
1: well you've got to be careful uh, you want to say something uh, but if you say that you're like the poor perth uh, perth glory star. you're out the, you're out the back door with the team uh, of yep. the team but um you know it's one of those things the keeper doesn't mean to do it uh, we, we all make mistakes out in the middle it 's a bit like you on the on the footy field um, you 're working together uh, with each other in the back line, and sometimes you might think right i 've got to go and help my teammate there and you, you leave your, uh, your opponent open then all of a sudden the ball takes a, a an awkward bounce, and your opponent gets an easy possession and kicks the goal. Um, but you've made the right decision to go off your man to, to help your teammate out in that situation to try and uh, get a contest and, and congest the ball in a scenario where you can get more help. Um, that, that's It's a bit like cricket in that scenario. Your, your teammate's seen the opportunity to win the game. He just gets a little bit excited and just makes that wrong decision out the wrong time. Uh, you, you can't do much about it, but just put your arm around your shoulder and say, better luck next time um, because yes. no one means to do it.
0: Yeah, very good, very good. Now, um, as I said off the top, you worked the double header at Optus Stadium, Pakistan, Netherlands, South Africa, India, with the four teams at play. How did you go? Did you get tired calling for two games like that?
1: Uh, no, not really. I really enjoyed the second game. The first game uh, sort of blew out a little bit too much. Uh, Netherlands uh, were, were way, uh, how can I put it? Uh, weren't up to speed against Pakistan on that quick, bouncy wicket when they were were batting. But the good thing about the Netherlands there was what I was impressed about was they knew that they were going to be in for a tough contest against a very fast attack on a fast, bouncy wicket. They have not faced anyone of that pace on a wicket. Uh, Well, the Wackers, I mean the Perth Stadium is the quickest wicket that the world's ever seen, apart from the Wacker. Um, so it's got that extra bounce as well. So they are always going to be tested. They could have come out and thrown the bat they, uh, and, and just try to wield the willow and get those boundaries, but they didn't. They got behind the ball. Uh, they wanted to tough it out, and they wanted to bat the 20 overs. They batted the 20 overs. They only got 91 on the board, but at least they showed that courage. And for me, all their techniques were solid, um, all they need to know, uh, learn now on that particular wicket is how to just play or push a defensive shot uh, a little bit more aggressively and just try to find the gaps and use the quick outfield. Um, and that's all they've got to add to their game where they could have got up to 130. So for me, uh, they had a big lesson with the bat. But what I was impressed with was when they came out with the ball, they didn't let... Pakistan get easy boundaries. They made them work for it, and Pakistan got that total at just over six and over. Normally, a team like that would blow uh, a team like the Netherlands out of the water and get them out 10 and over, 12 and over. Um, So for me, the Netherlands really toughed it out, and I was very impressed with them, even though um, they were easily beaten by Pakistan
0: yeah very good i've been i 've been pleasantly surprised watching along at the you know sides that have come in and not 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 just the sides that have you know come out of the group stages and, and made the super twelves top them up but even some of the sides that haven 't been you know favorites it's been a pretty even competition so far yes there's a couple of standouts new zealand going well um this next Team and and, and uh, game we're going to review South Africa. I think of probably a class above at the moment. But other than that, it's been quite an even competition, which is good to watch, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I, look, it's been very good to watch. Even the uh, the preamble before the Super Twelves, those games were very close, very exciting, and um, you know they're, they're the associate nations that were playing. And wh- when you talk about the Netherlands playing the Pakistan out Opter Stadium, it's a bit like um your university uh A team playing against the eagles uh <laughs> in, in in the big stage that that's basically what it's like if I, if if i yeah. can put it to the listeners out there of how the netherlands feel against pakistan or what the standard is like so there's a lot of difference there and i think it's right um one of the netherlands uh players said after the indian game it'll be great if Touring teams going to England, pop into the Netherlands for a a three-game series uh, of one-day cricket just to be able to give them a bit more exposure to higher-class cricket. Now, if we're going to try and grow the game around the world, we want the European teams to come in and the Asian teams to come in and have more depth in our game. Uh, We've got to give these opportunities uh, in little small amounts like this so they get the opportunity to grow um, and, and become better players. Otherwise... Um, otherwise, it's no point in trying to take the game into those regions.
0: Uh, now, we're talking about a couple of cricketing Minnow nations there, but these two sides certainly are not that. South Africa and India, a sellout at Optus Stadium. I, I, I heard sellout a lot, actually, but there were some spare seats. I know you would have seen them, Hoggy, but in saying that, it was a bit cold, bit damp um, at stages, but it was a cracking game with two of the Really big hitters in this tournament. How did you see the game and how did you see it all play out?
1: Look, just before the game started, they had the toss of the coin. India won the toss and elected to bat first. And I thought that was a bad move on their part because they really struggle setting a total. Uh, their top three, Rahul, Rowett and uh, Virat Kohli, are a little bit conservative in that power play. They're not as aggressive as other teams. And sometimes that just uh, puts them behind the eight ball and they have to make it up with their power hitting out the back end. So uh, I always felt that if South Africa were going to bowl first, that was their big chance of beating India. And uh, that's how it happened. Parnell uh, set the over up with the maiden over first up and they couldn't recover after that. Um, And when Ngidi came on, that was the bowler that they were going to attack in the power play. They went hard at him. And uh, they paid the consequences by just trying to uh, wait for that one bowler that wanted to go after. He got the four big wickets of Rahul, Rowett, Kohli and Pandya. Pandya was the big one because um, in the, in those later overs, he can really power away. And getting that wicket, instead of getting 130, uh, India would have got probably 150, 160 with him and Surya Kumar out the out the crease. So Ngedi just bowled superbly, knew he was a weak link, um, but just did his job. Kept a test match length, got the big wickets, and uh, India couldn't fight back after that.
0: Yeah, and uh, look, I've got South Africa as the favourites to this tournament. That doesn't really mean much to anyone <laughs> because what do I know? But I, I picked them off the bat. I just um, from from our little preview of the tournament we did together, what you had to say about their bowling lineup, their depth, and and their quality of bowlers, and then you see what they're able to do as a batting lineup. I just think they're well-balanced throughout. They don't seem to have a lot of weaknesses. You know, would, the, would that game that they played last night identify that, that they don't really have a weak spot?
1: Yeah, they, they, well, they, they don't. Probably where their weak spot is, is Bavuma out the top of the order. Um, he's not a T20 player. He's the captain of South Africa. So I'd like to see him come out and Hendricks come in. But at the end of the day, the way he captained last night and rotated his bowlers was sensational. So he's got a very good cricket brain. So it's it's very hard. Do you uh, keep him out there as the captain or... Uh, do you replace him with a better better uh, batter at T20 level and go with Takaka as the captain? Uh, Parnell, normally they have Pretorius there as the all-rounder. He's a better bat than Parnell. Um, that's that's probably just where, when it comes to the finals, just with their batting depth, uh, that, that might be a bit of an issue. Um, but I, I just love their balance, as you said there. Uh, they've got to cock out the top of the order who goes after the bowling. But then they've got Markram who can uh, who can be a little bit more conservative and just push the ones and twos. And if they get in trouble, get the momentum back in their favour and then set it up for Miller and Stubbs to come in at that back end. So, yeah, they're a big chance of taking out the final at uh, the back end. beating India, it, it uh, pushes their chances even further. So, for me, uh, now looking at it, Australia... South Africa, India, uh, and New Zealand will be playing in the finals.
0: Now, we'll probably speak to you Friday, Hoggy. I think I said off the top Mondays and Thursdays. We've moved it to Fridays. It's a Friday release. But a couple of big games this week that we can have a quick chat about. um, The big one today at 4pm at the Gabba, Australia v Ireland. And then probably the pick of the bunch out of the rest of them is Tuesday, England v New Zealand, who are... As we spoke about in the same group as Australia, how do you see both of these games going? Uh, the first one, Australia Island. is it a walkover for Australia? Or is it just expected to you know get a win and, and see you later, Ireland?
1: Uh, look, we, on paper, it's definitely a walkover, and Australia are playing up in Brisbane, and you know that's a fortress up there. Apart from uh, India, last time they played us in a Test match, they absolutely annihilated us there. But Australia are a little bit nervous. They know that the, uh, the, the game's on the line, they got absolutely caned by New Zealand. They're lucky to beat Sri Lanka. So with that nervous energy and playing against Ireland, it's such a big match. Ireland are a small chance of upsetting Australia here, but I, I can't see it happening. Um, it, it just depends on, it, it depends on how easy uh, or how prepared Australia are. I was a little bit disappointed when they were playing Sri Lanka here. Uh, it just didn't look like they uh, were structured right. It didn't look like they came here prepared. It didn't look like they were here uh, 100% focused. So there's something, there's a small percentage there missing in that Australian camp that they need to rectify very quickly. And Ireland, if they can expose that, um, they're, they're a huge chance. And basically, it's going to be Ireland the way they bowl. If they can keep Australia down to 140, they're a huge chance of knocking them off. Anything above 150, uh, Australia with their bowling attack are going to be too good for Ireland.
0: There you go. You've heard it first. We heard that Hoggy thinks New Zealand will knock over the English, and if Australia get it done, it's looking pretty good for Australia to move into those semi-finals and compete for the cup at the end of it. Before we finish this one off, Hoggy, I do want a final update on the Optus Stadium car park situation. Uh, what happened there, mate? You're very frustrated at the start of this podcast. What's going Hi. on? Please give us the insight.
1: I wasn't frustrated. Well, I was frustrated. No, it's it's interesting that uh, they so they've got a car park out the back there the northern car park and you've got to wait for all the spectators to walk uh walk through to the train station it took uh, 55 minutes last night and uh yeah it, you know when it's you're the sitting horn? there you're sitting there and there's no one up there and they still they're still making your way no we've got to wait 45 minutes <laughs> there's <laughs> no one there <laughs> you could be home earlier I, it's it's Is it on
0: the horn did uh, you get on the horn, Huggy?
1: No, I didn't get on the horn. But the the good thing about it is that you uh, you know you've got Wi Fi now and you can connect everything up and you can do a little bit of work in the car. Um, but the, yeah, they they've, they've got to do their job. But it's uh, it's one of those things. Uh, we're starting the game late here out Optus Stadium. I'm going to call it Optus Stadium because the uh, the tournament's finished now. We have to call it Perth Stadium while we're commentating. Um, oh, yes. But we've got late games that are finishing around near eleven o'clock. That's we're trying to accompany um, the subcontinent to watch these games at a, at a better time over there. That's why we've got later games. And when you've got that later game, uh, having to sit around and wait to, to leave at 12 o'clock in the morning, it's, it gets a little frustrating.
0: Because well, you've got a- things
1: to do at home, Scoey, you know?
0: Well, you've got to join the Shelter Sportscast, Hoggy, and we do appreciate you getting up early. And you missed your sleep in, but we... We thank you very much, mate. Yep. Now, what we, we, what we forgot to do last time around, Hoggy, um, during the footy season, we give out a shelter X Factor every week to the best player in Western Australia, um, a shelter XPA X factor. That's right. So I thought we'd give two out this week, and it's in the AFLW. Cara Antonio she kicks two goals in her final game. They come from behind in the last quarter. They win the game. She bloody deserves a nice cold beer. I tell you what, she's uh, they're inaugural captain at Frio AFLW, so she's going to get a block of shelters. And Kiara Bowers, 22 t- tackles. I don't know if this will make it into proper mainstream, but I spoke to Kiara after the game. I had my stats, I was working the game for Fox footy and I had the stats on my phone and I walked up to her and I said, are you you right, mate? You've had 22 tackles the most of all time. And she looked at me and grinned and she said, ah, good. I um, I made a bet with my nephew that uh, I'd beat the all-time record today. So I was actually trying to beat it. So she bloody went out there, knew what the record was and she did it. I just thought that was unreal. So we're sending her a shelter uh, XBA block as well for the Shelter XBA X-Factors. Hoggy, you happy with those two selections?
1: Yes, definitely. 22 tackles. So in the men, what, what's the most tackles that's happened on the uh, on the ground?
0: Oh, mate, it wouldn't... Look, I, I, I don't want to say that it's less than 22. Dan's going to have a quick look while we finish it off. But 22 is a lot of tackles, mate. But put it this way. I wouldn't have 22 tackles in a season at my very best. And Kiara Bowers has going to have that in one game. So... So well, that's why you've got effort. such yep.
1: good shoulders now, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. The good thing go. about
1: that, um, going up north and playing in those uh, those um, what games? Veterans games uh, up in Newman. A lot of Eagles players go up there, and I was going up there for ten years. And Chelsea Randell from Adelaide Crows uh, yep. was up there playing in the game, and I played with against her twice. She tackled me. She nailed me into the ground. And then I've, I've come up to uh, try and tackle her and uh, sort of going, all right. Uh, she goes, just grab me. Just bury me. So I grabbed her, buried her, and um, she was tough as nails. And <laughs> she, she had so much skill. I was trying to sign her up to go down and play for uh, Williams down in, the, uh, down in the upper great southern league. She had skill, and I think um, that's when I realised how tough football is with the women and how hard they go in. Um, And 22 tackles in a game, that's just work rate uh, beyond belief, and it's just great. Um, We've got to realise too that we're trying to get players from different sports to uh, boost the teams as well, but once once there's uh, more depth in the sport and more depth in the talent, this game in the women's, uh, women's arena is really going to grow very quickly and it's going to be very entertaining moving forward.
0: Yeah, I agree, mate. I actually spoke to Jess Duffin uh, at Hawthorne, who was retiring as well, and she's played um, – she's had a couple of caps at Australian level for – the women's cricket side. So you got the cross-coders in the women's. You don't see it as much in the men's. But, Dan, um, yeah. So Roy, tell about this. Roy Rory Laird, 20 tackles. Was that this year? That was this year. Um, previous record before that was Jack Zeeble in 2016 with 19. Well, there you go. Kiara Bowers takes it all. Kiara Bowers, Cara Antonio, take a bow. We'll get those Shelter XPA X factors out to you. Hoggy, that's us done and dusted. If you want to follow us along, Shelter Footycast on Instagram, send us an email, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. Um, you can watch us on YouTube, listen to us as a podcast. Hoggy, give us something to finish off on, mate. What do you got for us?
1: I was just thinking, but I don't know whether I can uh, say that. You might be able to get some highlights from SEN last night.
0: <laughs> Tell me, what are you talking about?
1: Uh, oh, there's a bit of an issue with mazood and Fakazaman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: uh, mazood has taken the ball in front of Fakir Zaman. Uh, and there would have been a certain run out if Mizzou just let uh, fucker Zaman take it over the stumps and get the easy run out <laughs> this is against the Netherlands and uh, I, I can't remember exactly what I said <laughs> Zaman's Tell very upset with Mizzou there and he's just told him God your mother get out of my road <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. very good. Yeah. We'll I see you. We'll I see don't ya. know how Friday, it came home. out. It came out <laughs> yes, better mate. than that. Buckers of arm. Unreal. See you later. Yep. <laughs>